some of you are not familiar with that, but he is risen. Amen. There we go. There we go. Praise the Lord. Taught my son that this morning. If you didn't see the video, check it out. It's on our Facebook page. He is risen indeed. If you would stand with me, please open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we are going to read from verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. 50, when you got it, say so. All right, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and they will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So then, the, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you today for the victory that we have in you. We thank you today for these words that remind us of the promises that you have made and that you have been faithful to accomplish. And so we look forward to the fulfillment of your purposes in the earth and in us. And so God, be glorified in these next few moments, Lord. May you speak to us from on high. May you speak to us from your throne, God. And may we be changed from glory to glory as we revel in the truth of your resurrection, God. We give you thanks, we give you praise, and we pray all these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so today is Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. And something that is, that is true is that over the last year, there has been a genuine fear of death that has gripped the hearts of many people. Over this last year, I, I, I was thinking about the service today, and I remember around this time last year, Hector and I, we were at Riverside Park, and we were with two cameras, and we were trying to set up the best that we could, you know, to, to record the sermon for Easter Sunday because we weren't allowed to meet. That's where we were. That's what was going on a year ago around this time. And we gathered together online and we worshiped and praised the living God that God, you know, God is there with us as we're celebrating him. But nonetheless, over this last year, we've seen some things that have gripped the hearts of people. Some of us have lost people to death. I can attest to that. My father did die last year. He did die, you know, complications due to COVID. And so I'm not denying the reality of this sickness. But nonetheless, what I do know is that we as Christians should see death from a different place. The problem with this, with this fear of death is that it has kept us separated. 
It has kept us apart from each other, which did something. It enabled great divisions that weren't there before, but it, it made these divisions that came into pass. And then it also caused some divisions that were already there to become even greater. But can I tell you why this matters to us? Because it's even happened in the church. Because of this thing, this fear that has been there, that has gripped the hearts of so many of us. But I want you to think about this this morning. The fear of death is not a new phenomenon. And its answer is the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? It's not something new. People have been fearing death for a long time. It wasn't just 2020 that, that, that some folks started to think about death. People have been fearing death for generations and generations. I remember being a young boy, and I don't remember how old I was, but I recall the moment that I realized that my mom was going to die one day. Hmm. And I, re and I remember crying, like I was, I was like in just bitter agony of soul, like, Mom, I don't want you to die. Because I realized death was going to occur. And so I had this fear. I wasn't afraid of my own death, right? Because for some reason, it, it, didn't, it didn't connect that I was going to die one day. And I wasn't worried about me dying. I was worried about my mom dying. Hello. I remember my son just the other day, which reminded me of this whole story. He came to me the other day, and he was crying, and he was saying, I just don't want you guys to die. And I'm like, well, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't say, you know, I, I, I couldn't just be a hardcore dad and be like, well, he'll say, you know, hey, son, we're going to die one day, and that's just it. I, you know, I, I don't want to do that to him. <laughs> I'm like, well, don't worry about that. I'm like, we're all going to die. And I said, but, you know, if we have our faith in Jesus, then what will happen is we're all going to be reunited. As believers, we should not fear death. And when I look at the words that are written by this Jewish rabbi converted to an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul, who writes these words to the church in Corinth, he is reminding them of some things that are really important. And it is the title of the message today, Death is Defeated. If you go back, and I don't, I don't encourage you to do this right now, but later on, maybe later on today, go back and look at uh, the beginning of, of chapter 15. Start reading in verse 1 and just read through to the argument that Paul is making. And as he is bringing forth these truths about the resurrection of Jesus, Minister Hector alluded to it that our faith is real. Our faith is alive because Jesus is alive. If Jesus is not alive, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we're singing for no reason. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we are here for no reason. But because he is risen, our faith is not futile. Our faith is not dead, but our faith is alive. So a couple of things I want you to think about with me this morning. Would you say this one with me? Say, death is an inevitable consequence of the curse. Death is an inevitable consequence of the curse. And so what does Paul say? Let's just look at his words quickly here, verse 50. He says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I would say that I think most of us feel the weight of our own mortality the older we get. Some of us feel it in love handles, hallelujah. Some of us feel it in, 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 in our bones that just start aching. Some of us feel it in our knees, right? Some of us don't, you know, we, we, we're, we're in shape, working out, doing all kind of stuff, and then we have to have shoulder replacement surgery, hello. 
<laughs> you know, knee replacement surgery, hip replacement surgery, right? And, and, and so we feel the weight, right? Like you, but you wake up, right? I, and, and so I, I, don't, I don't want to put somebody on blast today, but someone was telling me today that they were giving their spouse a hug and they twisted their back, glory to God. See, everybody under 20 doesn't even understand that, right? Everybody under 30 has no idea what we are talking about. You will, though. Hello? <laughs> because we all, the older we get, we feel the weight of our mortality or this corruption. And what Paul is saying is that flesh and blood, that this stuff right here cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We don't inherit the kingdom of God in our flesh. He tells us we cannot inherit incorruption with corruption. You see, we see it in the mirror. We see the weight of our mortality. We see the corruption. We feel it on the field if, you know, we play sports on a field or on a court or in a gym. We see it there. But on a spiritual and ethical level, which can also, we need to see this as well, this corruption, we see it most clearly in the moral decay that is around us. The things that are going on around us, the sin that is going on around us, and even the sin that is going on inside of us. We feel the weight of this moral decay that is happening there. And Paul goes on to say, he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to die. We won't all, we won't all die. It's not like we're not all going to take a nap. Everybody wants to take a nap on Sunday, right? Uh, I'll look forward to that moment when your head hits the pillow. But Paul is not talking about going to sleep physically. He's talking about taking that last final journey of sleep. He says, we will not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I love this. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. Did you hear that? Not that the trumpet might sound, the trumpet will sound. He makes it crystal clear for us. The trumpet will sound. The trumpet will sound. And, and, and then he goes on and tells us that this last trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible. And so all the pain, everything that we felt in our bodies, we're going to be raised with no more corruption with no more mortality, we're going to be raised to a glory with him, and we will be changed. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Oh, those words are powerful as he reminds us. See, we walk around feeling the weight of our mortality. We, see, we feel the weight of our mortality probably the most when we lose someone we love. Not because we're fearing death at that moment, because I don't, I don't know very many people that have feared death when they're necessarily at a funeral. Maybe there are, but most people are not so much fearful of death as they are now cognizant of death. But more than that, they are overwhelmed by the reality that they have lost someone they love. It, you, you, you ever notice, I mean, and you've probably been there, you, you feel like no matter how, you know, and typically, right, this is not every single situation, right, but no matter how old the person was, it seems like it's unfair. It seems like that person, even though you saw them decaying in front of you, something was torn away from you, and rightfully so, you feel like it's unfair. You feel the weight of that. Why? Because we weren't created to die. 
We were not created to die originally. We were created to do what? To live eternally with God, glory and honor forever. And yet Adam and Eve chose to eat of the forbidden fruit, and they did what? They brought death into this world. And so death is an inevitable consequence of the curse of which we have the answer in the resurrection. But when we think about death being a curse, what do we mean by this? Death is a curse in three ways. Number one, it's, it's a curse physically because we die physically. We die emotionally. You sense that. I just gave you the example. You feel the weight of that. That is part of the curse. The second way we see the curse is that death is spiritual. When sin entered the world, what happened? We were separated from God. Sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, the curse came, and then they were what? They were kicked out of the garden. They were kicked out of God's presence. They were kicked out of that place where there was this glory and this beauty and so now we feel the weight of that curse. We feel the weight of that curse on a physical level. We feel the weight of that curse on a spiritual level. But we also have to know this. The curse is eternal. Because of this, because of sin, when we die, if we die apart from Christ, we experience what? Eternal separation from God's love. And we experience the wrath of God. Think about that for a moment. We feel it physically. We see it in the mirror. As I told you, when I thought about my mother dying, I wasn't confronting my own mortality in that moment, but hers that she would be gone. I came to this realization, and now I understand the spiritual separation. If you are a believer in this place where every time you sin, you feel separated from God, do you not? If you're not a follower of Jesus in this place, there is some kind of disconnect. You may feel spiritual, but you know that there is no real connection to God. There is something missing because of this spiritual death. But you know what we don't realize very often? We don't realize the eternality of death. We don't realize what the Bible refers to as the second death. We don't realize the weight of that. And that is why death is so scary to some people. And here is the truth. The truth is that without Christ, the inevitable consequence of the curse, which is death, is played with fear, uncertainty, and despair. Without Jesus, without Christ, when I think about death physically, oh, my goodness, there's nothing I can do. There is no fountain of youth. <laughs> I can work out, I can exercise, I can stay in shape, or I can just enjoy life and eat whatever I want. Either way, hello. Either way, I'm feeling the weight, the, the physical, seeing people die and experiencing the loss of loved ones. I see that part there, the, the spiritual side of this. Okay, I, I feel that, but man, we got to think about this. It's despair. Second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this, say death is an appointed time. Death is an appointed time. Look at verse 56. Paul writes this. He says, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Every time we sin, I want you to think about this. Every time you sin, you affirm your death sentence. Hello. 
Every time you sin, you affirm your death. Every time you break God's law, and listen, as perfect as you may think you are, you will inevitably break God's law. And you will, maybe, listen, maybe you'll go an hour. Maybe you'll go a day. I don't know. You may be, you're much more holy than me if you can go an hour without sinning. But nonetheless, I'll just say it like this. You may go a day without sinning. You may go a week without sinning. You may go a month without sinning. But there will be a moment that you will sin. And I'm saying, may, I'm being facetious. I want you to know that. None of, none of us is going very long without sin most of us, I remember hearing a story of a man talking to one of his students and having a conversation about sinning. And he's like, well, you know, uh, you know how, do I, how do I live without sinning? And the man's like, well, you know, he asked the question, well, can you, you, know, can you not sin for a day? He's like, no. He's like, okay, can you not sin for, you know, for an hour? He says, no. He says, can you not sin for a minute? And the guy was like, no, he's like, well, can you sin, like not sin for a second? He's like, yes. He's like, so live second by second. Live your life for the glory of God every moment that you can. Strive for that. And yet, guess what? We all fall short of the glory of God. We feel the sting that Paul says, the sting of death is sin. Every time you sin, and if you're sensitive to your sin, you feel what? You feel the sting of death. You feel that sting of death. Again, the result of the fall is the sting of death and our inability. What does he say? He says this, and the strength of sin is the law because God's law is high. God's law is holy. And we, in and of ourselves, cannot keep God's law. That's the reason why Jesus had to come. And so what's the result? Because we cannot overcome our sin, the result is that we're all going to die at an appointed time. Now, I want to give you a reference. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you, you, know, you, you have the mental computer going on, then you know, make a note of this and check it out later. But the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 tells us that death is an appointed time. It says it is appointed unto man to die, once to die, and then the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So it's, and, and those words may sound scary, but it's actually being written to the church. And in this writing to the church, what the writer of Hebrews is actually doing is he is seeking to encourage those who are hearing these words. He's saying, listen, Jesus, because his whole point in that passage there is that Jesus doesn't have to keep on dying because what? You've been appointed to die once. Do you know what Jesus did? He died once. He rose again. And now all of us who are waiting for his appearing, guess what? He's going to appear to us. He is going to save us eternally. Because we're waiting for his appearing, but not everybody's waiting for Jesus appearing. Other people are waiting for other things. And so what do we have here? We have this encouragement. But what we have to realize is this, is that death is an appointed time. God is the one who ordains our days and, and our death. Now listen, there are exceptions to the rule, right? Lazarus. Huh. You go in the Old Testament, there are a few exceptions, right, where there were people who died, rose again, and then died again. Those are exceptions to the rule. There, are, there have to be exceptions to the rule where someone would die prematurely. I would say there's exceptions to that. But for the most part, death is an appointed time. I think sometimes we think, oh, their, their life was too short. It's not really. That was their appointed time. We may, not, we, we may not like to hear that. 
We, we, we may not, we may not, I mean, I, listen, I remember doing a funeral for a three-month-old baby. Now, if I had to choose, right, if I, if I had to choose when, when, when a child would die, I mean, I would never choose that. But if I was given two options, either at birth or three months later, I'm going to say I would opt for at birth. Because if I had three months with this baby, and then, does that sound fair to you? Doesn't sound fair. Seems to me premature. But I'm not the author of life. I'm not the one who ordains everybody's days. I don't know why God does what he does. I only know this, that God is And I can trust his wisdom in all of the things that I don't understand. Death is an appointed time, but what does death do? It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. So guess what? Judgment is the appointment that death makes for us. The day we die, our appointment with judgment comes. And so here's what I would say. If you're not ready for judgment, you're not ready for death. If you are not ready for judgment, you are not ready for death. And so the question is, are you ready for judgment? Are you ready to stand before God Almighty? Think about this for a moment because this is a really important question. We are all going to stand before God. I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. I, I don't know that. But there's some pictures that we have in the Bible of people who came to God and they thought they had done enough in order to get into heaven and he cast them out of their presence. There are other people who come to God and God says, enter in to the joy of your Lord. So there's different people standing before God. But nonetheless, if you stood before God right this moment a young man was asked the question or asking the question how far is heaven from earth how far is is it a million miles is it a thousand miles how far is heaven from earth and the answer was it is a heartbeat away it's not a long distance we are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next hour. We're not promised our next breath. And so if you breathe your last right now, and God said, why should I let you in? What would the answer be? Are you ready for judgment? Are you ready to stand before his throne right now? If you're not, Today is the day to get ready. Right now is the moment for you to get ready. Not, 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 not trying to do a bunch of good stuff, not trying to get rid of all the bad stuff, but putting your faith in the resurrected Savior. Because the third point that I have for you is this. Are you depressed enough yet? <laughs> Say this with me. Death is a defeated foe. Oh, Y'all should have got excited right there. Death is a defeated foe. See, Paul goes on and he says these words, verse 54 to verse, and in verse 57, verse 54, he says, So when this, in, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, 
and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades or hell, where is your victory? And verse 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is the encouragement of the saints. And so when we think here, I want you to hear a quote from Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud, he was the founder of psychiatry. And look at what he writes. Such a smart guy. Such an intelligent guy. Uh, you know, so much of, you know, so many things have been refuted. Nonetheless, he was, he was smart enough. People were listening to him for a long time. Listen to what he says. And finally, there is a painful, there is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably ever will be. Such wisdom, such intelligence, and yet this is his conclusion. Regard, listen to these words. And finally, there is the painful riddle of death, for which, for which no remedy at all has been found, nor probably ever will be. Here's what we need to realize, is that man by himself has no real comfort for death. Man by himself is just going to be in despair. He's just going to be depressed. He is just going to be discouraged. He is going to be uncertain in and of himself. But thank God that we're not left alone. Thank God that Jesus is risen. And thank God for the promise that death is defeated. Thank God that our Lord, our Savior, for those of you that have been walking with us from Thursday night and we had the Seder meal in the time that we celebrated the, the Last Supper when Jesus sat with his disciples for that final moment and had that final meal and they broke bread together and the new covenant was instituted. And then we came together last, on Friday and we did this tenebrae service where we had the candles lit and we were in here and we sang of the crucifixion of Jesus, the, the light of the world being extinguished as each one of the last words of Christ was declared. And then we walked out of this place in solemn darkness as his disciples would have been depressed, overwhelmed with fear and dismay because what? We thought he was the Savior. We thought he was the king of Israel. We thought he was the Messiah. Oh, but glorious day, Sunday came. And the women went to the tomb, not expecting to see Jesus alive. They went there to bring spices and to <clears throat> adorn the tomb of Christ to only find that the stone had rolled away to only find that the tomb was empty and he had risen. He rose. Look at this. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. And Jesus is coming back for you. This is the hope that we have because Paul says, not right now. You're going to feel the weight of your mortality until, until the day you breathe your last you will feel the weight of your mortality every day that you are on this earth. But when this corruptible puts on incorruption, hallelujah, 
that glorious day when you are changed and you are transformed, you will, you will sense those words, death is swallowed up in victory. And so here's what I will say is this, is that while each of us, and I wish that I could, I, I could wave a wand over everyone in here and you would never feel the effects of the first death, but what I do know is this, is that as we face death, we should face death differently. Because each of us will die unless, unless, because there isn't unless, unless Jesus returns before we do, but we can all face death differently. So what would I say? I want to give you three things really quickly. The first thing is that we should face death assured that God has ordained our days. He has ordained our days, and he has ordained our death, and we can trust him to keep us and others alive as long as he has purposed. That's encouraging, isn't it? We can know that God, listen, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one that has ordained every one of our days. He is the one that holds, listen, he holds it all in his hands. And so we should face, because every day, whether you realize it or not, you're facing death. I know that's morbid, right? But the fact is, you're facing it. You are, you are walking, I mean, think about it this way. Every day, you're taking steps closer to the grave. That's the fact. Every single day, that is what is occurring. So how are you facing this? Are you facing this with fear? Are you facing this with doubt? Or are you facing this knowing, wait a second, God holds all in his hands. God holds my days in his hands. See, that's what the resurrection does for us. It lets us know that God holds our days in his hands. The second thing that I would say that we should face death, we should face death with an eternal hope and perspective. We should face death with an eternal hope and perspective. So we face death because Jesus is risen. We know what? We know that our lives are in his hand, not just now, but in eternity as well. We know that this, listen, this is, this is, this is as bad as Pastor Aldo winter 2022. Hello. <laughs> It'd be great if I could say to you 2020 is as bad as it gets. I, I wish I could tell you that, but when I read the book, I don't know. It gets worse. I'm just saying, I, I, I want to encourage you a little bit more, but the fact is, if you read the book, it's going to get worse. Now, I don't know when it's going to get worse because I'm going to tell you right now, I am praying and believing that God will move in this earth and do something supernatural and turn this world upside down at least once again. I'm, that, that's what I'm believing for. But what I know is that there is a point, there is a time when things are going to get ugly, but that is not in eternity if you're a follower of Jesus. See, if you are a follower of Christ, what you know is that this down here, this earth here, what we experience here, this is as bad as it gets because glory is going to be great. There is no more sorrow. There is no more tears. There is no more heartbreak. There is no more sickness. There is no more disease. This is what we are encouraged by with an eternal perspective when we look at death. And the third thing that I would say is that we should face death with our eyes on our risen Savior and souls in mind. We should face death, not just thinking about ourselves. We should face death looking at Jesus we should face death looking at the Savior who rose with our eyes and our hearts focused on him and realizing that every one of us is going to stand before God in eternity. Every person on this planet will stand before God in eternity. It doesn't matter what they believe this side of eternity. When they breathe their last or that trumpet sounds, they are going to experience the either enter into the presence of God or they're going to experience, part from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. 
And so we keep our eyes on our Savior, but we also keep our eyes on souls. Souls that we want to win for the kingdom. The souls that we want to introduce to the resurrection of Jesus. So here it is. Because Jesus rose, he defeated death. His followers, his followers have victory over death, even in death. Did you hear that? His followers have victory over death, even in death. Again, there's no magic wand. Because of the curse of sin that came into this world, every person who is here until they breathe their last, they are going to experience the physical side of death. But the spiritual side of death, nope, because they're in a relationship with God. The eternal side of death and judgment, nope, because they have a relationship with God. Those have been defeated now because Jesus rose again. And so here's my closing question as I, as I think about this, as, as, as we're wrapping this up. The question remains, are you his follower? Are you his follower? If you are his follower, rejoice, he is risen. Rejoice, if you are his follower, rejoice, he is risen. If you're not his follower, repent. If you are not his follower, turn to him. Repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. Why? Because the scripture teaches us the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so here it is. Are you living as though death is defeated? That's the closing question. Are you living as though death is defeated? Are you living that way? Listen, the only way we can live as though death is defeated is if we are his follower. And so that's my question. If you would just bow your heads right where you are. And if you are in this place today and you are not a follower of Jesus, he is risen. And because he is risen, because he is risen, he offers you a new life. He offers you eternal life. He offers you the opportunity to be his son or to be his daughter. And so if you are in here today, I don't want to let you leave this place without giving you the opportunity to put your faith in Christ. And so if you have not put your faith in Christ and you want to put your faith in Christ, I just want you to slip up your hand before the Lord so I can pray with you in this moment. All right. And for those of us that are followers of Christ in this place, be encouraged, he is risen. Father, we humble ourselves before you in this place. And we thank you for your abundant grace and mercy that you have shown us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us out of the darkness. Thank you for rising again and giving us new life. God, we thank you today for the truth of your resurrection. We rest in it, and we give you thanks for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to partake of communion at this moment, and so if you do not have...